Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of a teaching with TBA rabbinic resident Julia Noblock. So yeah, so this is the last poetry class, at least in my capacity, one of the residents. Um, yeah, so, um, and um, I was like thinking, what am I going to do? Because I always kind of wanted to link it to the Parsha, and um, and in a way I'm doing it, but I'm linking it to the Haftarah. Um, because um, I recently, I mean, I've known about this book for a while, but I haven't, I hadn't read it um, until just, um, it's from um, Avia Kushner, and she's, uh, her, her full-length collection is Lamp Bomb, and um, today, um, it is um, from Isaiah, I mean, it's, and the whole book is a meditation, um, the poetry of Isaiah, and every poem book um, um, explores um, one or more passages um, from the book of Isaiah. So um, that's why I chose this, um, and um, the wolf-lamb um, passage is one that we read um, this morning um, in the Haftarah, and um, there are many other famous passages um, in the Haftarah. Um, for example, but a shoot shall grow out of the stump of Jesse, and um, obviously, Shuati and all the following lines that we are going to sing very soon to say goodbye to this festival. And, um, and, um, Vayaga Ze'ev Im Kevesh, the wolf will um, dwell with the lamp, that is also echoed in a later passage in Isaiah again. Um, before we are going to read a few poems by um, Avia, um, who is. She wrote, the first book I read from her was, um, it's called, it's not a poetry book, it's um, actually called The Grammar of God, and um, it came out, I don't know, a couple of years ago, not like a handful of years ago, and um, in which she explores, because she grew up speaking somewhere on these, and um, it sort of like tracks how she explored when she started going, like having Jewish studies or whatever, and she um, she didn't recognize the the Torah and the Tanakh that she knew from her childhood English translation. So the book is sort of like how she learned the English. And she has another poetry collection out. I think she teaches she teaches um she teaches um at Columbia College Chicago um and um is um this book has been picked up a lot um and reviewed a lot and I I really highly recommend it. Um but before we're gonna read some of the poems in it um and we're only going to read one of the poem sheets because when I had to prepare the source sheet, I hadn't yet the book in my hands. So I, and I have, I had to, I had to send it in a day before the book arrived. So um, we're going to to look at one poem, which is Rumor, but also a few others that um, explore lines from the Haftarah we heard today. Because I thought it's a nice way of sort of like saying goodbye to Pesam, sort of like having a connection to winning this morning. Um, Isaiah obviously is a is a prophet famous for his poetry, but also for his insistence on envisioning a messianic landscape, an eschatological utopian natural state ideal. Um, after the haughty have been judged and brought low, and justice has been bestowed on those deserving, and unity and peace have been established. 
Um, he's also the prophet from which emerging Christians quoted most often because they found in his words passages and images that worked well in the attempt to find proof text for Jesus as a Messiah. And um, many of these lines have often been used um, to those to those means. But Isaiah obviously wrote many centuries before the emergence of Christianity. And um, so I was, and is, is also the prophet whose Haftarah was chosen um, for Pesach, which is one of our, if we want the, you know, the beginning of our national story, our redemption story. Um, so I was wondering why this Haftarah might have been chosen for the eighth day of Pesach. Um, there is obviously a line in it that says, there shall be a highway for the other part of his people out of Assyria, such as there was for Israel when it left the land of Egypt. So there is a clear connection to, to Pesach. But I think it's also because Pesach is a moment of redemption. Um, I want to say it's a moment. It's not the redemption because it only starts there, right? And, and Isaiah, for all his wrath and outrage at injustice and arrogance and greed and fake kindness and corruption, is also the prophet of comfort, of reconciliation, of the gathering of exiles, and um, the prophet of redemption. He speaks to our Israelite and Judean ancestors and conjures up the finishing line of the long journey that we've just begun, again, as every year. The journey toward redemption or the redemptive journey through the, through the desert toward the promised land. We are liberated. We're taken out of Egypt, but we're not yet redeemed. Um, and he is the prophet who dreams up a time when wolf and lamb will dwell together peacefully and when a wolf is not disguised as a lamb or a lamb poses. But how long can such a time really last before the next bomb explodes? Um, either here or many of these go back and forth in Ukraine or wherever. Bomb. So this question is like, wolf and lamb is all great. It's all peace, beautiful. And I think we've all been for the past eight days in, in moments where we talked a lot about this and what it means and how can we achieve it. And but then there's this, this third word, is bomb. And um, so this question she explores in this collection, in poems that are all in dialogue with Isaiah, and basically every poem is inspired, as I said before, by several lines from, from, from his prophecies, and challenges it, rephrases, questions, admires. Um, and it's a very interesting, in a modern poet, a woman in her, I don't know, she's... Um, and Isaiah, the prophet from 2,500 years ago, and um, her, it's so interesting. Often we write, we, we hear and talk about how prophecy overlap and really get a sense of how, how this echoes. And, um, so, yes, so before we're going to, like, talk, um, and this is a little different than I've, um, the, the past times, but there was just so much I kind of, I've been thinking about, Pesach and, and the Haftarah and, and, and poetry and prophecy, so it's more of a like extended drash of sorts. But we are going, I, I, we are going to like um, go around and have. If people want to say something at the end of once we've read the last poem, give you. Um, so um, there is another passage that she deals with in in this book that is also in the Haftarah which is translated in the Etz Chaim. It starts at 11.2, after the shoot that grows out of the stump of Jesse. The spirit of the Lord shall alight upon him, a spirit of wisdom and insight, a spirit of counsel and valor, a spirit of devotion and reference for the Lord. And spirit, ruach, obviously, means wind and spirit. 
And so the poem that I'm going to read um, is The Wind. How can I explain the wind to you? It flutters, it flirts with the water in the opening lines of Genesis. And then it comes back, the way everything important comes back. But as the wind of wisdom, the wind of God, the wind of understanding. Spirit, you're explaining the spirit of God. Not exactly. I want to hold your hand and explain it to you softly. Ruach. Listen to how the wind has ooh and ah in it. More than air, that wind on water fluttering. Not just God, but something of God, like man, like woman, like the world. So my apologies again, I don't have fun of you, but it's like as a reading. Um, as some of most of you know, I also write poems, and I do think that in order to write good, and we also need to be and honestly and challenge the world around us. And she does that, and um, she does that in this entire book. This is more of a meditative dialogue with Isaiah, but she has another one, um, like many others in this. That, I mean, there are, are literally in the afterworld. I mean, the spirit. What is what she is referencing is the the, the spirit. Well, then she didn't speak to you then. Um, um, I, to me, it was pretty obvious in how she, you know, sometimes it's more obvious and sometimes it's less obvious. In, in, in this case, I think spirit, the spirit of God. You're explaining the spirit of God, which is exactly basically what you were saying, touching, being touched by the spirit, spirit of devotion and reverence for the Lord. Yeah, no, I mean, look, if that's that is that's the beauty or the the annoyance sometimes of poetry is that sometimes sometimes you can say I can look at it in different ways and then it makes sense and sometimes it just doesn't it just doesn't work for I think that in the, the leader it's not so important whether it is when it's like an adaptation from a book into a movie you take out certain things and you're stuck with like it's going to become the founding the, the skeleton for what you're going to make out of that. And and that, that may sometimes work for one and sometimes it doesn't. Um, right. Yeah, thank you. That was better summed up than I would have, have done it. So, um, right. Yeah. And it's more an, ex an exploration of the, the concept spirit or ruach in that um, rather than she's not so interested. Yeah, and it's interesting um, in the in the trope too. Like every ruach has a different has a different trope to it, which um, which really in terms of how it changes. Yeah, um, I um, I do want to talk about the ruach, so I'm going to skip the one that you guys don't have. And we said 45 for Birkat. Yeah, so. Um, I'm going to, to skip that one that you don't have it in front of you. I, anyway, because I, I do want to wrap it up um, with some thoughts um, on the last day of Pesach in the diaspora. Um, as Rabbi Klickfeld was saying today and reminding us when we're counting the Omar, we are, in the, we are completing the first week of the Omar um, in the Sefirah of Chesed, and we are in Malchut Shebe Chesed. And very soon, after Marif, we're counting the Omar again, and we will enter week Tzara and we will be chesed shebegovura, love, faith, loyalty, kindness, and strength and judgment. We'll translate that. And I think we need to remember the royal completeness of chesed of the week of Pesach as we leave the shelter of the festival. And I know that many of you can't wait to sink your tea, a pizza, or a bagel, but I personally always find it a little bit sad to the ecstatic first days of peace and love and prayer. Um, 
the time of our freedom, the beginning of our redemption, the moment of our salvation, not in the Christian sense, but hine um, yeshuat yeshuatenu, in the sense of something good having happened to us miraculously without us having done anything, like in a moment in time with a person we love, which is like a spark of redemption. And that's why I think it's good to begin desert with Isaiah's comforting voice echoing in the wind. And also with this poem, um, it is in fact, but I thankfully, and this is rumor, there's a crazy man in those hills howling that he can comfort us all. There's an old crazy man in all of us saying, I raised you, made you tall, and you, you rebellious little wuss, you forgot that an ox knows who owns him, an ass knows his place. Rain falls and we rain blame the way our ancestors. Bombs explode in the faraway city where I once lived, and the world rains its curses on man, on God, on the whole idea of I will be what I will be. I am what forget tenses because I am past and present, and I breathed you. Listen, someone once said, I am comforting you, breathing through an old towering prophet who is nothing but a singer on a stage, a singer when there is only one light left and the soft illusion. In a few years, you too, a fire, dry grass, a singer who sang and then disappeared, the light of the audience, the light of the world, a bomb to the crazy, the rebel, the was, Isaiah to the nations of the earth, like the tale of an old, a song and a howl, a wolf. I thought it's a good poem to end the reflections on Isaiah, but also as we end this week that is the first week of our of our redemptions um, that, and I want to invite um, more reactions um, to this poem. Um, um, criticism, rejections, yeah. I find this, I, I will say, um, David and I um, are in the same class, um, going through all of Nach in one semester. Um, and even though there's obviously not much time left, things, um, what I've been finding really those months is how how close they've, how close these, like they, they say things and they make comparisons and metaphors that obviously to us moderns, it's not, it's not what we would say. But um, in terms of the more I read of them, the, the more I feel like they're like so close and they had the same sort of fears and desires and urge and passions. I mean, in a very extensive way sometimes, but um, what she does here in this poem and what she does in this entire book, I feel, is um, she really brings him a guy from 2,500 years ago. Yeah. yeah. He also said that the, the beast doesn't remember. Doesn't, doesn't remember. Yeah. Um, Thank you. Um, I think I said that um, in, in, in general, I just wanted to Isaiah in general, which is why I picked the poems. And I think the, um, what I said in my, in my remarks about how during Pesach we are very close to imagining wolves and the lamb dwelling together and the beginning of redemption, um, because I don't think that, I think like fest, uh, Pesach is the festival most of all of liberation. Obviously it starts to, re it's a journey and we don't get there. And I think it is, and so I think while I thought it fit, because, I mean, I chose the um, in it, but I do think it is a nice ending everyone claims because Pesach is, as we've probably discussed in our seders a lot, the story of telling, the magid, the questioning, the what, what remains, where are we going to, 
and what echoes who is bringing the redemption is it god who saves us is it us who is go- who are going to work towards redemption um so when i when when this was one of the poems that um that had the wolf and the lamp line in it um and ends on the story that everyone claims and um i thought it was a nice note to end on it's obviously not um it's obviously not like the one Pesach poem that one would pick um, in a different sort of setting, but with this sort of aim to have a short wrap up, and um, I thought it, I thought it was a good, yeah. Which is this whole like duality between what's often translated as salvation and deliverance, but like this, the the, the Yudshin Ein words and the Gimel Aleph um, uh, Lamed words um, um, is the path through the and with that um very yeah that was hearkening to yeah i mean and that's the beauty i find that's a personal thing of course about poetry um more than maybe prose because people ask questions as we ask at our seder and larry was saying he doesn't see it and that made me think more and and phrase and like think more than what I had like a diffuse feeling when I when I when I when I picked it and then and then look at the whole conversation that happened. So thank you. When we ask questions, as we have done at the Seder, and we have been many of us have been doing it for many many years, and it's every time it's an issue. Yeah, shakur to every one of you. Um, thank you. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.